1: good afternoon everybody and welcome to episode 12 of on the list today is friday february 1st and i'm your host austin bristow the second joined today by the one the only nick pollack
2: nick how are we doing is happening austin how you doing
1: oh man it's a it's a good day i'm ready to go and we're gonna have a ton of fun this is gonna be great
2: yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I feel a little weird being on because this podcast is really so that the rest of the staff has their spotlight. I already have that podcast on the corner and first pitch, but I'll do it now in February where there's some dead time, not taking it from anyone else. And I yeah, just really excited to, to interact with the NPR. Uh, I don't know what to call you exactly. The NPR <laughs> legend or uh, the, the future head of npr i don't know <laughs>
1: oh man this is i don't know if this is ever going to actually stop i'd like to think that there's listeners who like consistently listen to this podcast that aren't like in our discord channel and if you're not you ought to be uh but for those of you who don't know that's just kind of the bit now is that everyone thinks i sound like i it's, should be on npr no, no,
2: it's not a bit it, it's <laughs> it's obvious even are wearing flannel right now I'm wearing flannel uh, more often than I'm not. Well, right. Uh, your your profile has a bow tie. This was a thing apparently uh, that is. you. Yeah, still is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was really quiet. The way. Sorry. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, you recently moved, of course, but uh, before you were recording in an attic, which is honestly just fits right in uh, with <laughs> the whole true. persona i <laughs> uh, i mean it's great it's a wonderful you know i'm always like the overly energetic with fast and here you are just hi i am <laughs> bristo with on the list and it's very nice and, and warm and, and comforting so it's a it's it's a good bit i guess but it's a good reality it's really a better Fair way of putting it enough
1: <laughs> yeah i just I, I do what i can you know i've been this is episode 12 now, so we got a little bit of you know track record here, and I'm just trying to stay consistent. People seem to like what we're doing, so I'm going to keep on doing it. Now, if you guys haven't yet joined us here on the list every week, I'm joined by a different member of our PitcherList staff. We like to talk about baseball, what they've been writing recently, and we do a little mailbag session at the end where we like to answer your questions on the air. Now, you can send those questions to us at by email at community at pitcherless.com, or send them to. Directly to myself on Twitter I am at Bristowski now everyone knows where you're at on Twitter yes
2: at PitcherList
1: straight on straightforward and time. simple <laughs> you guys are listening to this and you aren't already following PitcherList on Twitter I'm not sure what's wrong with you
2: that's actually an old story about how I got the PitcherList handle uh, if you want to know when you meet me I will tell you in person I think I have heard this story and it's it's a doozy yeah, it's uh, it was a long journey.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? We may as well get on into it then. So you guys know the shtick by now. We're just going to get to know our guest here. And this week, it's Nick. So Nick, you know, real open-ended here. Start us out softball. Tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Um, well, when I uh, was growing up, I was I didn't crawl. I actually sat on my butt and then reached out with my right leg, stuck my heel in the floor and dragged myself forward. Uh, <laughs> that I don't is, know yeah. how to
1: respond to that.
2: <laughs> it was really actually efficient. Instead of crawling, I'm like ready to do anything. You know, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm ready for any attack and to defend myself. I, I would push then with my two hands as I would go and really do this like the, the claw or like one of those um, excavators essentially going in the ground and pulling itself forward. Um, and that was essentially the moment that, you know what, I'm not going to conform. <laughs> that <is> um, okay. <laughs> but all right, uh, I've always uh, I, I've loved baseball since since forever. I remember actually I was a little bit of a bigger size when I was a kid, more than the other kids. And I remember hitting a home run on my first game. Uh, and then I I started to realize that I always wanted to be involved in every play. So I either played first base or pitched. And uh, as I as I got older, I just realized I really loved pitching. It's just so super fun. Loved David Cohn growing up. I would even pitch like him, would mimic his motion. Uh, and then I uh, went to Berkeley Carroll in, uh, in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Same high school as Adam Adovino. And uh, from there, went went to, to pitch at Brandeis. For uh, actually only three years, I walked on my sophomore year uh, because I was uh, I started school in January instead of the fall. Uh, and yeah, I had a great time at Brandeis. Thought I was going to play guitar for the rest of my life after that. Uh, so got a job <laughs> out of out of college uh, at Guitar Center for eleven months. Good. Realized that that was a silly dream to pursue. And uh, and then a, a, for a couple of years after that, I worked. Um, at a weird news company, I essentially ran their website uh, in running a staff to uh, to facilitate all the weird news and when we should be talking about, all the content, and everything like that. That's how I learned WordPress and how to manage a staff. And then uh, a couple, a couple of years after that, I figured, you know what? I want I want a website where we can watch pictures because I was. Uh, in my in my free time, I was coaching a travel baseball team. I was giving pitching lessons on the side. I was still being involved, and I found myself really wanting to show pitches to to uh, to these kids that I was teaching. And I, and it just kind of went from there. I came up with pitcher gifts uh, and created that gift database. I had no intention of writing at the time. This was back in 2013. I remember this November. I was watching a Thursday night game. Uh, what's his name? What's that like? massive tight end. Is it Delaney Walker on the Titans? He was for ages. Sounds right. I don't know. Fantasy football Why would stupid. I know that? I know. I was roped into a league. I got my fantasy football is stupid shirt the other day. Good. I love it. It's like my favorite now. Uh, I, but I remember watching this in, a, I believe it's a gin mill in, in New York City with a friend of mine and telling him this idea. And he pushed me to say, just go do it, Nick, You you clearly know what you're doing. And that was like the moment I went home and started making Justin Verlander's page and went from there and I and then I realized like oh I should probably write something so that people actually want to come back to the site (laughs) instead of just putting up the gift database (laughs) and letting it sit and obviously playing fantasy baseball forever uh, I just started talking about pitching and came up with the SP roundup and uh, and then uh, a friend of mine Max Posner who's still with the site um, helped me out with creating the uh, the best pitches articles um, and it just kind of went from there. Uh, we got shut down by MLB in 2014. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, we got that season assist, and it was oh, it was such an exciting year. <laughs> it really was. It, we just had all those these roller coaster of emotions, and uh, I, I remember fighting it for so long. I tried every single avenue possible to get it back, and um, but I shut it down out of, out of fear of just what would they, you know what would they do. Um and uh, by by I made a lot of I think rookie mistakes in that and then I remember having a shower you know I always have my best thoughts in the shower when they have that As subreddit shower thoughts it is legit uh, I I take long showers and just lose you know everything it's like my meditation <laughs> um, and I essentially came up with you know what I'll do I'll do won't have the gifts I won't have the gift database but I just want to write again that's the thing I realized I missed the most was doing the SP roundup. And I figured, you know what, I'll just rank them every week. I can do that. Originally, it was going to be two weeks, and it was going to be the top 50. And then I made it 75, and then I was like, you know what, I could just do this every week. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the rest is, you know, everyone kind of knows the rest. Uh, I've had a lot of incredible people along the way reach out to me and help out. Um, I had someone named Matthew Nance who was fantastic helping with the back end. My friend Edwin uh, Edwin Lynn helped out a bit. Brandon Lundberg, who's still with us, is, yeah. is has been incredible. Um, Alex Fast emailed me randomly at the start of 2016. Same with Ben Palmer. Uh, they've been excellent. I mean, we, we just had a lot of a lot of great people coming in out. Even John McGrath, who I played pitcher uh, played baseball with in, at Brandeis, he helped out for a couple of years. Ben Pernick, who's been here since 2014 as pitcher gifts. So it's just been it's been incredible since then and uh yeah that's uh yeah, I think that kinda sums it up.
1: That's pretty good. Uh that's so yeah. And then you did kind of explain there, because we, we had a question uh, from one of our supporters, uh, Kyle Seiler here. I figured I'd throw it in the middle here. Because he had asked, uh, when was the moment you realized you wanted to start your own website with the articles and everything? Mm-hmm. And then he also wanted to know what you were doing before PictureList, which well, that, you pretty there much you explained.
2: There's also a time, I, mean, I still kind of do it now, is I uh, run a website for a film distribution company. Um, but a lot of that stuff really taught me organization and how to create a website and how to run a, a staff. I mean, I don't know how well I do that. The latter, you can tell me all about that, but oh, he's fantastic. Everyone. Uh, I just want you to know he's not that was not fishing.
1: <laughs> I don't like
2: fishing. it's boring. Uh, <laughs> oh, me neither, buddy. <laughs> just kidding. I, I probably haven't done like proper fishing. I cannot talk properly about that. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, it really just became a thing where, um, I like making terrible jokes and just uh I found myself writing just in general. I mean, I even spent 2013 doing a project where I wrote uh 261 songs for the year um because I needed something to do and I like projects and they're not good songs. I don't sing, I just write guitar things, but you know, there were some fun ideas from that and I I just like creating projects and that just seemed like a fun project so I wanted it to exist, of so making a gift database. Um, and the articles, I mean, they just kind of keep going. Everything has just been steps. Uh, I I often say, um, one of my mantras is steps, not leaps, yeah. and that's with a lot of things, with uh, with discussions, with arguments, with um, setting goals for yourself, everything, taking steps, not leaps. So I always saw it as as long as we're doing something better and we're taking those steps forward, everything will come. Let it be having a Twitter account when I knew nothing about Twitter. <laughs> to where we are now with twenty six thousand followers, to getting our first five thousand hit day on the site, uh, breaking ten writers, and now we have like what eighty. Uh, like that, yeah. It's it's crazy. It's, it's it is absolutely nuts. Um, so it, it's just about taking leaps of faith and seeing how they work. And if they don't work, they don't work, and that's fine. And then you you know you just go back and and figure that out. Uh, just keeping keep taking steps forward. So, uh, so yeah, I mean that's, so it never really became like, okay, we are going to make this site. It's just, let's just keep adding things and keep going from there. Yeah. It's good advice for life, you know? Ha! Sure. That sounds good. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So you mentioned, you said you've been, uh, you've been playing fantasy baseball forever. Well, let's get more specific about that. So, you know, how many leagues do you play in? You know, what's your favorite type of
2: league, etc. Yeah. Um, I started to think like back in, well, the, back in the 90s, there was SI for Kids. There was a website <laughs> where they would say, like, you have a salary and you can pay and get players. I remember this from, like, 98 or 99 being so happy I could get Randy Johnson or Pedro <laughs> Martinez or something like that. Uh, but I've always been playing. I remember during, like, my 20-minute break in, in uh, like, 2001 doing a fantasy draft, which is absurd. There's no way that would work. But it was essentially, minutes? like... I know, I know. And we always had to have like a couple minutes on either side of gathering everybody. Uh, <laughs> but this was like Yahoo baseball. And we would do head to head back then. And uh, oh, man, there's a guy for the Expos that had like a brilliant second half or first half of Soka. Oh, no. Oh, this is anyway, brings back lots of memories. <laughs> um, but uh, no, generally, my hometown league was Roto. I was playing in this one league for a while. It was Roto Keeper League. I think that one started in 2007. Uh, I'm still in it. We did restart it, but I'm still in that. It is Roto. Uh, I honestly recently playing a lot of head-to-head, um, just because I understand that is the most popular format. is super fun. Uh, oh, yeah. As someone who's like a stickler for for Roto over the years, head-to-head is just more fun.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean here's my outlook i'm I'm very much more on the head-to-head side than the roto side because i feel like roto is just kind of watching a spreadsheet
2: fill itself out for right. six months like you don't feel you know you know you, you always debate like at what, at what point do i start making certain moves for certain positions um honestly in roto leagues you just kind of let it sit forever uh, and Unless, I mean, really what it should be, is should be like the middle of May. You start assessing certain guys. Where am I really going to fall? Look at the other teams and see, okay, this guy probably will beat me in this and that, etc. Right. Then you make your adjustments. Okay. But then you really have to like experiment with that for another couple of weeks. And then you have to keep doing this check and check and check. And head to head is always just there's always something to be doing there Uh, when it comes to improving for that week and winning that week. Yeah, and then there's also I mean look I'm someone who hates speaking ill of anybody, but I will enjoy a good banter uh, any day because I know that I'm coming from a place that is in no way emotional, uh, and as long as I have another person that is going there, it is so much fun talking trash for that week. It oh yeah, is
1: I'm very much fun. looking forward to our first week that we face each other in the. Oh that's right, the, uh...
2: welcome, welcome also Austin Bristow the second. To the legacy league, that is, we do the Premier League uh, style. That is, this is kind of the dream that we have, and the picture it's list. It's so half. fun. I mean, this is, I have to say, there's so many things that I absolutely love about pitchlist that we've created uh, since in, it started about five years ago. Yeah, um, is that we have now this just awesome group of people that we can do all the things that we'd want to do about fantasy baseball and i mean that includes writing but it also includes having this amazing premier league style uh fantasy league it's crazy so yeah welcome i uh, i don't i don't know how i won last year i really don't <laughs> you had uh, good pitching
1: well i, I got on mark trust Marquez me with, yeah, i
2: wrote the league review for about <laughs> half the year i know you had good pitching oh man it's shocking right um hidden <laughs> it but I no, I was like the fourth or third best team, but i beat be i beat out fast somehow. I beat out Graham somehow. Uh, and it just that's how it works. And that's fine, I guess. Um, dynasty is dope. But the thing is, I'm still not in a dynasty league that I absolutely love. I do like the Fangraphs Auto Staff League I'm in, which is I took over from Mike Exisa of CBS Sports. Um, huh. I like it was one of those things. I just joined Fangraphs and was in the slack and i felt like you know the, you know i was a new kid and i didn't want to overstep or anything and all of a sudden i think paul swindon was like hey we have an opening i remember messaging fast like should i do this it's like of course you're gonna do this you're definitely <laughs> going to go you have to do it. i'm like but i'm gonna be so overwhelmed that i want to embarrass myself uh but then i went and joined it. it has alex chamberlain is in there brad johnson and uh david yes. appleman um you know saris is in that league too wow. uh so so i got mike exists team and he he structured it like it's uh like the best hitting team and no pitching and it's just the dream that's like that's what i want all the time just make me focus on winning and pitching and i sure. somehow won that league this past year hey uh, a boy yeah i know right it's it's weird i think mike just kind of was like here you go 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 forth and prosper <laughs> And uh, I, I got very fortunate in that one. Um, so that's actually really fun, a great auto league. Uh, I'm not saying this because I have a really good team, but it's really structured very well. There's some little kinks here and there, but that's a ton of fun for if you're doing Dynasty. I love their arbitration system. Eno came up with it, I believe, with uh, the developer of, I, uh, I, I I definitely like that. I mean, a good Dynasty league is always great. Hopefully we'll have a really strong one with the Pitcherless staff. Uh, I think I want to start that this year.
1: Yeah, some, I thought I heard some rumblings about getting one going here soon.
2: There is. Adam Lawler has been pushing that. I think he has one or two. Uh, I want to do a third, uh, and uh, I, I yeah, I want that to exist. Oh, that'd be great.
1: I just, oh man, I can't do another league right now. I've got three that I'm in. I've got my home league, the pitch list staff league, and then my uh, dynasty league that I'm in. And my fiance has basically told me, "Yeah, you can't join another one. <laughs> and if you do, you have to drop one of the ones you've, oh, you're funny. currently in."
2: I'm in. I'm in six. Six. And, and like I remember telling Spore this, and I was like, "I'm in six leagues," and he would like pat in my knee. Oh, summer child. <laughs> he's in like twenty. Oh man, he, I can't do he's that. No, it's. It's. I mean, that's in the right way. That's that's a good kind I'm of sure. Crazy. I guess like good kind of crazy that I do the roundup every day. <laughs> <laughs> we're all alone oh, here yeah you have to be
1: all right so most people by now know you're a yankees
2: fan yes i tried to hide it for a bit
1: i remember when uh you and i had our uh had our interview where i was uh interviewing to join the staff um i actually at that point somehow didn't know that you were a yankees fan you, i knew you were Wait. from new york um I just kind of assumed you were a Mets
2: fan. Oh, God. Um, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? That's, <laughs> that is so insulting, Austin. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just, uh, as a kid, I wanted to be happy in my life, so I became a Yankee fan. And see, that's the exact same thing you told me two years ago. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. I mean, <laughs> I'm an honest man, Austin.
1: Fair enough. Now... On your beloved Yankees, or really any other team, do you have an all-time favorite player, or any any number of
2: players? I guess. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's David Cohen and Paul O'Neill. Those are the guys I grew up with, and it's so cool to hear them on the on the broadcast now, killing it. It's yeah, no, those are those are my two guys. Solid, good choices all around. I mean, Moose was Moose. You know, after after the nineties, it became Moose uh, Messina. I just loved the way he pitched and. He was just a ton of fun. Uh, but it's really, it's Conan and O'Neill at heart.
1: Fair enough. Good good choices. Dig those. Another question here that I really like, this is one that uh, we added on recently. Is there a particular article that you've written that you are
2: especially proud of? Oh, man. Um, there you didn't are... think about this one ahead of time, did you? No. <laughs>
1: but,
2: uh... <laughs> I mean, there are a couple. Um, there's... There's one article that is uh, it's about Kyle Hendricks. I wrote this for The Washington Post back in 2000. I think it was 15 or maybe it was 16. Um, Yeah, I think it was 2016. It was about essentially how he is the ace of the Cubs staff, even though it wasn't Arietta or Lester at the time. And it focused on is how much soft contact induced and hard contact limiting, how good he was commanding and control. And I didn't really think too much of it at the time and I uh, then I get a uh, email from Neil Weinberg uh, who the great man who trusted in me and actually gave me an opportunity there saying that they selected it for the Sunday paper so the Dang. actual Sunday Washington Post there in the sports section you open the page it's still in my room and there is just by Nick Pollock and uh, I that still blows my mind that like me at a I don't know I guess I was 27 at the time or so and I always, you know, you think of those guys that are writing in that paper. No offense to any of them whatsoever, but you don't think of like this scrawny twenty-seven-year-old kid writing that article. You think of, you know, he's got his glasses and his nice mustache, and he's well, you know, professional and everything. <laughs> he's got his kid at his side as he writes it, and there, there is my name, just like the front and center, boom, Kyle Hendricks uh, article. So that that one, it always stays with me. Um, That's the awesome. other. The other ones, I mean, it's, it's funny enough, it's two Noah Syndergaard articles. <laughs> um, there's one that everyone, I think, knows by now, which is the uh, the flaw they're all ignoring that I wrote last year yeah. for Rotographs. I mean, I just love the fact that I was able to put in an MS Paint image and get away <laughs> with it in a professional setting. That was so that, the,
1: I, that I, I really me up. do remember and really enjoyed that
2: article. Yeah, and, cool and It's it funny. Up. is that I was actually really talking about effective velocity, um, which Michael Augustine is really done to great lengths uh explained in layman terms to everybody he's done an excellent job with that but that's really what i was talking about saying that look if you pitch inside with heat it's gonna come faster and you have to swing sooner than you do when it's away um so i really enjoyed that piece and the other one is actually the end of 2015 i was remember watching syndergaard in, in the playoffs and just thinking why have we not discussed how ridiculously filthy his fastball is so I just wrote an article saying let's gush all over Noah Syndergaard's fastballs and just featured all these gifs from it and just saying this is ridiculous. Why are we not considering Syndergaard as like super dope? Because he is. Yeah. Um, and that was really fun one to write.
1: I bet. He's he still is super dope. We just need him to stay right. healthy.
2: Right. Uh. Yeah. Yes, we do. That's that's basically it. Like.
1: I I expect if he stays healthy and gives us, you know, 180 innings, he'll be amazing.
2: Right. No, it's well, yeah, there's a lot of discussion to be had about that. I'm going to I'm biting my tongue because I know I'm going to be talking about this in another cast soon. So I'm going to going to hold off on that. There you go. Save it for the pod. Yes. (laughs) Save it for the podcast. Um, As if we aren't already on one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, is there like another one? It was really an honor to to write that camera angles article at Fangraphs. Oh, that um, one was Carl also let me go ahead with that. Paul Spore suggested that I do it, so big props to him and thank you for uh, for giving me that. Um, and, and just in general, bring me on the Fangraphs or Rotographs team. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a there's one other I wanted to mention. It came to me before. Uh, every so often, I feel like there's a Rotographs article. It's like, oh yeah, that was that was pretty good, Nick. You did all right.
1: You did I okay. I remember your your one you had last off season for Trevor Bauer mm. uh, was the reason that I picked Trevor Bauer to be a breakout, and then
2: he very nice. much was. Nice. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a that's a fun argument for Bauer this year is that everyone's going to say that oh he's only done it for one year. He has actually done it for a year and a half. Uh, because he was, he's changed that cutter to a slider in 2017 and had success in the second half, and then it carried over into 2018. But yeah, that was a fun one. There was a, a, one only Trevor K. Oh, yeah. The, I think the best titled one is Oh, right. Tyson Ross exists. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Just talking about, like, right, he's still a thing, and he has a good slider, and he might actually be decent right now. Uh, I and mean, he was decent for like four weeks. Right uh but yeah those are those come to mind um i mean there's a lot of pitch articles i've written uh like so many but uh those are the ones i think that uh that really stick to me that's awesome it's a good uh good array
1: ones that have uh articles there now last one here before we get into our rankings debate i just want to know you know tell us a little about a little bit about excuse me words Tell us what you do outside of the baseball realm.
2: Oh, you don't want to hear that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear that stuff. Um, I was in a rock band. Uh, I don't want to give the name of it because we're not that good and we never <laughs> were going to make it. It was just for fun. Um, but I play a lot of guitar. I mean, uh, I thought I was going to be a guitarist forever back then when I was naive, uh, but I still play. I got my custom 24. That is my baby PRS that I got through Guitar Center. Nice. Um, so I play. I play a good amount of guitar. I coach uh, 13, 14 year old rec basketball here in Brooklyn. And if you don't do that, if you're into basketball, you you should do it. It is the most fun that thing that I do outside of talking about baseball. Without a doubt, uh, it is incredibly fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's. Uh, I don't know. I I, I enjoy the. <laughs> I enjoy life. <laughs> hey, that's that's pretty solid uh, place those, to be. Those are the uh, the the two main things I do. Um, I play some basketball as well too. Why not?
1: Uh, fun tangent, real quick. Yeah, I promise it'll be fast here. Uh, my father um, was a big basketball star in high school. Played a little oh, bit nice. in college, and uh, then he he's a high school teacher and also. Coached basketball at both the high school and junior high level for like twenty some years or something like that. Is that right? Something along those lines. And um, growing up, growing up, I was always uh, you know the tall, skinny kid, uh, fairly athletic, and I tried to play basketball once and i'm very very bad at basketball (laughs) and i just couldn't get into it and it wasn't my thing and like i know my dad loves me but i feel like he was definitely a little disappointed that you know i i didn't turn into the basketball star
2: (laughs) but it's it's in your blood at least a coach
1: you can be a coach and not a player (laughs) i know so little about basketball nick (laughs)
2: <laughs> See, Fine, I, also, Austin.
1: I also feel like i'm one of the very very few people on our pitchless staff that never played baseball
2: oh that is interesting yeah it's uh everyone is at some point and literally you know maybe it was even like t-ball or or uh, you know, jv or something but you never touched it
1: i i played a year of t-ball at the boys yeah. and girls club when i was like Six And I mostly just spent my time Digging in the dirt And
2: picking grass Yeah, you sound like Brian Regan Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> Free snow cone at the end of the game uh, Well, that's uh, that's I like that It, it kind of goes to show that you can still love the game Without actually playing it And I mean, that's all of us now, really It's true We always, all of us have some moment When we say, okay, this isn't what we're actually going to do except for davis that's right jeff davis is killing it up in canada (laughs) i love that i love it (laughs) all right well let's talk about some other pitchers
1: so we're going to be continuing our rankings debate here and of course I had to have Nick come on to talk about starting pitchers. We had Alex Fast come on to do our first half of my starting pitcher rankings and now we've got Nick here for our second half. So this is kind of vaguely, you know, five, uh, 50 through like 100 plus. And Nick's just gonna tell me a few guys he thinks I'm too high on, and a few guys thinks I'm too low on. We'll have a little back and forth on why that is, why I have them where they are, etc. So, uh, Mr. Pollock, go ahead, take it away with some of the folks you think I am too high on in my rankings.
2: Um, there are three that we're just gonna move right past um, because they're stupid and everyone knows they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean I think there's some that Alex probably touched on a little bit, but there is Rick Porcello at 57 that I just think is just wrong. Um, we've talked already about Rick Porcello in your mock draft and review, so I don't need to go in more into that. Uh, I'll yeah, probably you and I just, and I just yeah. have
1: a fundamental different view.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's what it is. Um, I'm all for agreeing to disagree. That's okay. Um, that happens often. Uh, there is also at 47 that I don't know if Fast really brought up, but Chris Archer I I will not be going after Chris Archer. Close to that. I probably have him in the 60s or so.
1: Yeah, Fast and I actually had a pretty extended conversation about Archer, so you guys can go and check that one out if you want to hear more about that.
2: Nice. Um, and then there you have Tukey Toussaint at 72 and uh, I know that I initially had him close to 50 back in October and I understand this. Uh, but the more time that I spent thinking about it, I realized that Tukitusana is probably gonna be either a reliever or be on like third in the in the uh in the chain to get a starting rotation spot, I think. The only reason that he was a fifth starter in September was because Gohara and Soroka were out. Um now that they're both healthy and could be fighting for that spot, I think that he is uh, the last one to get that chance.
1: Yeah, so I don't totally see him reasonable. at seventy
2: two. Yeah. Um but We could actually talk about the others. Um, Hinge and Ryu at fifty-five.
1: Yeah, so I've got Ryu here at uh, my like I said fifty-five. That's one ninety-seven overall. Uh, then if we look at the NFBC ADP data here, I went through to check that out. Uh, in the NFBC, he's going at about 180 overall, yeah. which makes him the
2: 50th starting so pitcher. So I am I'm actually slightly behind them. I understand. I am going to have Ryu much lower. Mm. Uh, there are many reasons for this. Uh, I'm going to pinpoint one specifically, and if this is your own words. Um, I'm expecting around 100 115 innings from Ryu. That's what sure. th- that's what you're expecting, right? Yeah, it's, that's really around where I'm expecting him. So my question is, if that's what you're expecting from Ryu, why is Rich Hill lower?
1: Um, well,
2: I, I know I surprised was, you with this. I didn't write that is, I'd write yeah, Rich, okay. Rich Hill. He's at 63. You... Uh, Rich Hill essentially, would you say that 100 115 innings is fine for Rich Hill?
1: I mean, that's maybe what we'll get. I think, you know, with him being now 39 years old, we may be, even be lucky to get somewhere around 80. So, OK, so you expect more innings from Ryu than Hill? I do. Yes. Like m- not a notable amount, maybe like 20, 20 to 30 more innings. Is what I would expect from Ryu over Hill.
2: I mean, we only got 15 starts from Ryu last year. 2017 was astonishing at 24 starts. And that still gave us under 130 innings, which Hill has done in each of the last two seasons. Uh, I Hill has more sustainable strikeout upside to me. I know Ryu had this ridiculous 27.5% K rate last year in uh, 82 innings. That's I still don't understand how he did this. A 101 WHIP as well, 11.5% swing strike rate. I do not think that this is the true Ryu. Uh, he's still throwing a 90 mile per hour fastball. I understand that his uh, his changeup was super successful last year. This – I really think this is a trap for people. Uh, What's going to happen is that he's going to wave at a fan and hurt his wrist and be out (laughs) for three months. Uh, It's just – at 55, I I see other guys that he's surrounded by. Kikuchi. I would much rather go with Kikuchi. Uh, You you have right after Ryu at 56. Jimmy Nelson at 58. Yes, I would much rather chase that because that could be Ryu if not better for the entirety of the season. Josh James at sixty, chase that upside, uh, oh. instead of instead of Ryu. Do you uh, think Josh James still gets a spot in the yeah he has
1: Sinastros he has a fifth. after the signing of Miley.
2: He has a fifth right now. To me, Framber Valdez would be the sixth. He's okay. the one that got pushed out, Valdez, not Josh James. Sure. Uh, and I think that Josh James is just a better pitcher, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't disagree
1: that Josh James is a better pitcher than. Maybe even Miley and Valdez right it's about opportunity and Ryu. Do, it's or, just a matter of whether they are willing to give him his opportunity. Yeah, right, right,
2: right. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I just I just see Ryu there, and I think this is a trap that a lot of people are going for. Where hey, maybe it does work out of April, and maybe you're happy with that. Okay, uh, I don't see this lasting for a year. I don't see this. I, I see his 2017 season of a 3.77 ERA, to 137 WHIP, and a 21% K rate. Now okay. if you want to even split the difference of that K rate, that turns into like twenty three twenty-four uh, with a one twenty whip and a three well if you're splitting the difference, a one ninety seven ERA is ridiculous. Fine. Oh, it was it was I'm silly. gonna I'm gonna split the Sierra for the sake of this. Um that kind of shows up as a three seventy ERA. Yeah. And if you told me that Rhe is gonna have a three seventy ERA with a one twenty whip and a twenty two percent K rate, twenty three percent K rate, okay. I understand it now. This is a Toby. Who's gonna get hurt for half the season, probably, and then also yeah. have to deal with Dodgeritis? I, that's not the the dart I want to throw. That's not the lottery pick I want to go after. So i'm okay. I'm out on Ryu. Uh, I think this is a little too high,
1: okay. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I'm looking at um, my rankings here, and you're right. I think, uh, moving him down closer to Rich Hill at, at 63 as opposed to where he's currently at at 55 right now might be uh, a little better. Because guys like Kikuchi, um, Josh James, even Kevin Gosman and Matthew Boyd, I think those are safer bets for innings. And uh, the innings will help with strikeouts and everything else like that. So I, I agree. I think he is a bit too high and I'll probably move him down a little bit here. Cl- like I said, closer to Rich
2: Hill. Okay. And do you hate Rich Hill? Yeah, I always have. (laughs) Because of the headache, right?
1: It's it's the headache, yeah.
2: Yeah, but that headache is the same thing with
1: Ryu. It's not. It's it's a different headache. Because when Ryu gets hurt, uh, he leaves a game after the second or third inning, after he gets hurt, and then he's out for um, a month or two. Yeah, okay. When Rich Hill gets hurt... He right. leaves the game in the second or third inning, and then he's out for two weeks, and then he comes back and then he leaves that game in this in the second inning after giving up four runs in two innings. and then he comes back in a week, and then he leaves that game in the first inning after giving up seven runs in one inning somehow.
0: It, yeah it's, a, it's this, a
1: different headache.
2: you're you're hundred percent right. that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, it's It's not the same as Hill uh, I don't think is I don't even want to go after Hill either. Oh, neither do I. I, I just, I feel like if you flipped Ryu and Hill here, that makes more sense to me.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to push but, Ryu but yeah. down by Hill. Cool.
2: All I think right. I got to work just fine. All right. Well, I'm one for one. Let's see if I. <laughs>
1: boy. <laughs> Our next one here, staying in the uh, NL West here, we're going down to San Diego to talk about Denelson Lamette, who I have as my 73rd starting pitcher at 251 overall and in the NFBC data, they have him not close to there. They've got him at 623 ADP, 623rd right. player there at the 156th pitcher overall. And I just want you to know, uh, in the NFBC, they do not differentiate between starters and relievers. And counting the number of relievers between uh, <laughs> between him and the top to subtract it out and figure out how what his exact starting pitcher rank was was not fun
2: yeah you <laughs> it was like uh, you deserve some. a medal for that
1: <laughs> I think it was like 80 some. <laughs> um
2: so uh so the deal with the is i don't think it's 156 but it's uh it's not someone i'm going to be drafting in any 12 team or safer if you really want for that last pick to put him on the dl the way i see it is the first two months of the season you're going to have injuries it's going to happen. You're going to have – most leagues are going to have two DL spots. If you want to have three, that's awesome. That's great. It's Maybe Lamette becomes someone you want to go for then. In most leagues, it's going to be two now, and Lamette will be dropped. He's going to be – you're going to drop him because you're going to have two DL guys, and you're going to want that roster spot. I don't want the scenario that you draft Danielson Lamette. And then he says, you know what? It's only a month away or so, then maybe he comes back. I'm actually going to stash and not give up that roster spot and have three DL people. That's very detrimental early in the season specifically because that's when you jump on everything. Uh, having those open roster spots for the first month or two are huge. Um, that's when a lot of guys are coming up that can make a huge impact for the year. That's when we start figuring out the people that we were wrong at and you want to take those chances at a hot April 6th for the year, etc. And having Dendles on the Met, a guy that maybe shows up in June and we don't even know how good he's going to be. It's not like the days of you Darvish coming back from Tommy John were instantly that they're back and they're productive or how Jose Fernandez was, I believe, in the summer of 2015. Sure. It, this isn't that. I mean, I'm, we're hoping that he showcases a high K rate. But if he does, then it probably will be a bad walk rate. It probably will be a high homer of a fly ball rate, too, because he just has that slider and the fastball is fine. It, it's hard, but not well commanded. And it's a split changeup, which means that is certainly not well commanded. Huh. So there what you're getting back. I mean, let's say that Dennis lament was healthy right now. I would probably have him in the 50s. Something yeah. like that. And that itself is, is saying to me, okay, I don't want to go after Lumet because it's a lottery pick. A lottery pick, you also have to wait at least two months to see. So I'm just not touching it with Lamet. I think it's just the wrong tree to to bark at. I, that's a bad sentence.
1: That was a, that was a fun sentence. <laughs> so you, you think he'll be back right around like June or July? I mean, I don't know.
2: But I, I, that's what I think the assumption is right now. It seems to be what
1: the consensus I've heard up to this point is. Now, assuming, let's assume he's back late June, early July. Um, Do we expect, you know, 80 innings, 100 innings, something like that?
2: Maybe. Uh, I would say 80 innings sounds right. Because then there's also rehab and then there's, uh, then they also baby him a bit. 80 innings, that's like half a season, essentially, sure.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I agree that it's a rough pick when you're definitely not going to see him until the middle of the season. Um, But I don't know why he couldn't come back and just pick up where he left off with like a low to mid-fours ERA and nearly a 30% K-rate.
2: But that's that's not a good ERA. That hurts.
1: That's... Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um... I don't know. It's just I. I've always been a fan of Lamet. Uh, I liked him when he was in coming up in seventeen. I was excited for him at eighteen, and then we didn't get to see him all last year, and that made me sad. <laughs> and so I get. It might just be a part of me that wants him to be successful.
2: Sure. Um, I, I have which, those guys myself. strong.
1: Yeah. As exactly. Um. So you you're probably right here where. Um, he might he's probably not worth like a two fifty pick um, but if you're in anything deeper than a twelve team league if you're fourteen fifteen deeper leagues and you're looking for a guy in the like second to last or last round to throw a dart on, I don't see any issue with going for a guy like Lamette where if as long as you have the mentality of throw him on the d l if I have guys who get hurt and i need to push him off uh, i'll drop him and hope that i can pick him back up when he comes back
2: yeah as if, long as you as long as you have, have that discipline then fine but i i do worry that it's going to be tempting to keep sure. him there and to waste that roster spot and
1: and i think it's one of those things where you have to know yourself yeah. as a fantasy manager and know um, the kind of risks you're willing to take and the, the way you manage your own team like me I'm insane and I check my league 10 times a day and I check the waiver wire uh, at least half those times to see who's on there and who I want and who's coming back soon and things like that. So I know if you know you're the type of person who's going to be very diligent about that and you also know what is a smart move versus what is, well, I don't want to miss out sort of thing, Mm -hmm. um, you might be able to. Use Lamet to your advantage in that case.
2: Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah, I understand. As long as really, if you have the discipline to drop them, fine. Um, uh, if you're in a draft and it's a twenty-third round, uh, I would think that there are other options that you want to go for. Joe Musgrove, Colin McHugh, uh, are often there at the bottom, uh, and I probably would want to go with that because that's also right out of the gate. You have those chances to take. Uh, but yeah, so if you essentially go in the DL, you know they won't pick up Colin McHugh. Then fine, go get Lomet, stick him on the DL, get McHugh, and just drop Lomet when you have two injured guys.
1: Sure. Also, I'm just thinking about it now, and there's, I'm thinking there's no way that Joe Musgrove makes it to the 23rd in in our uh, most of our pitch list stats. Oh yeah, no way. But uh, I'm I'm wondering who's
2: going to win the game of chicken first. (laughs) I mean, I got him. I got him in the 23rd round of the mock draft we did in October. So uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, It should be good. I have Luis Gohara as the other high one. Uh, It's only just because uh, we'll get to in a moment. There are a couple of guys I think that just deserve this spot over him. But it's not it's not really. 84 is not something egregious. I'll be honest. This is good ranking. I like it. I don't know if it's necessarily the order I would do, but the names, most of the names are there, and I didn't have too many that I felt were just egregious. Uh, so I think he did a good job here. He oh man, uh, I mean, the pitcher list guy himself says my pitching <laughs> rankings <He's> are good. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, Gohara, I it's a wait and see. Obviously, I don't think he gets a start or to get the spot out of the gate. Uh, because yeah, he doesn't it's going to be gate. very,
1: very interesting to watch and see what the Braves rotation does at a spring training, and even throughout the year. I I'm actually expecting to have a uh, bold prediction when we do those up in the upcoming months that neither uh, Sean Newcomb nor Julio Tehran are in the Braves starting rotation by August first.
2: Uh, this is, I mean, I'm yeah, this is uh
1: this is what I've been preaching. I mean, they. I, I watch a lot of Braves games. I'm with you. Completely. I don't. I don't want them to pitch for us anymore.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> like, funny. I, trail, I felt really bad. Um, I just did the the Fancy Pros podcast with Bobby Sylvester, and he mentioned that he liked Sean Newcomb, and I had to say something. Oh. <laughs> um, and I hope it wasn't rude. I, I mean, I I think I like I did it in the right way. It what it, it, it's just that's my opinion on Sean Newcomb, and it was just. Just say, you know what? I don't think Sean Newcomb worth your time. Sean, uh, I think neither Sean Newcomb nor Julio
1: Teran made my top 84 pitchers.
2: Yeah, they'll be in the 90s for me. Yeah, I think, I think so. that's where
1: you want them, where it's like, these guys are probably going to get you innings, but are you going to like it? Probably not. And they'll have their moments, too.
2: That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, Sean Newcomb for a period of time. Yeah, like three months was, was like killing awesome. it, and then he was really bad. But to have like a four E array after that start, it says a lot. Um, but anyway, Luis think, Gohara is just at 84. I'm like, I don't think he's going to have the rotation spot, which means I'd rather chase something else at that point.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I I think the Braves want Gohara in starting rotation. Um, I'm just not sure there's room for him starting off at a spring training because um, they're going to have Teron, Newcomb, Gaussman, and Fulte. Definitely those four, I think, yeah. are going to be in the and, rotation. And the, the fifth, fifth spot be is Soroka. The, it should be Soroka because I love Mike Soroka and he's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think Gohara and Toussaint will kind of be vying for that spot. And honestly, I would not be surprised to see both of them s- making the opening day roster in the bullpen because right. they've got nasty stuff. Right. I think both of them could be very effective relievers. Yeah. Um, maybe even the fireman type role since they're stre- both of them are stretched out to be starters.
2: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see all that in spring training as well.
1: Yeah, people are saying right now that the Braves' uh, bullpen isn't, you know, as stacked up as well as some of their rivals within the division. Well, that's true, but if we got guys like Kohara and Toussaint in our bullpen with their nasty curveballs and whatnot, that could make a big difference very quickly.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point. There we go. I just got
1: All right. in my bravos there. That was
2: good. Of course. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so those are the guys you think I'm too high on. How about a couple that you think I'm too low on, the ones I'm not giving enough credit to?
2: Well, okay. Uh, J.A. Hap at 49, you mentioned with Fast. So I know this is like just over the 50 mark, but Hap to me is a top 40 pitcher. Um,
1: to me with Hap, it's one of those things where if a guy over 30 displays a new skill, I'd and it's only for one
2: year. I'm not sure. I believe it until I see it a second year. Well, he did it in the ha- second half of 2015. If that counts. Oh, he's Trevor Bauer. No, no, no. The second of th- 2015 with the Pirates. Or Fifteen. And, and he had a high strikeout rate then.
1: Oh man, I mean,
2: that proves it all. <laughs> that proves everything. Just saying, this was something. And then he went to the Yankees <laughs> just, and continued just, it. But fine, I get that. <laughs> all right. Um, I it's weird. There's a group of starters of old, boring vets now. It's, it's Jose Quintana, it's Cole Hamels, John Lesser, and Jake Arrieta, and Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I I feel that um, of, of those five names, Keuchel is the highest revered, yet you have him easily lowest. I do. Um, and I'm curious to hear why. Well, I don't like him. Okay, but what don't you like about <laughs> Keuchel relative to the other guys?
1: Um, I don't think he has as much strikeout upside as the other four. In particular, um, I think Hamels probably has the best upside as far as strikeouts go. Do I have Hamels ranked the highest? I should. I like Hamels the best. I don't. I have Lester the highest, which is that's interesting, funky because I don't really
2: like Lester. Not the even rank. like a little by twelve spots. You have so by yeah. ten spots. You have. Oh, I need to, I need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I, I actually kind of like Cole Hamels going into this year. I, I liked what he did with the Cubs last year. I think uh, he's got a shot to be sort of a Toby with a little bit more upside. Uh-huh. Um, whereas Lester, I did not like what I saw last year, except for the last like month, right. Um, right, which exactly. was very frustrating because I had predicted that neither one of my bold predictions last year was that neither he nor Johnny Cueto would be top 50 starting pitchers and he just
2: barely, barely made right, it. He yep. was like 45. And yeah, but I like, oh, oh, Tommy oh, John, so you're all set there. Uh, hey, there we go. Um, I mean, more on the Lester thing, I feel that the guy after him, Kyle Freeland, is doing Lester better than Lester.
1: Uh, yeah, but he's also doing Lester in a horrible part. Didn't
2: affect it last year.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I I, want I want kyle freeland to be legit i want him to do it again because i want the rockies to have figured out coors field and use Statcast and physics and things like that to learn how to teach their pitchers what to do and things like that just because that'd be cool for
2: baseball right yeah but i'm so scared i understand <laughs> so scared. that i mean that's, it's part of the marquez thing but at the same time with marquez you have him at 20 so you're not that scared He's very different, though.
1: Those two pitchers are very, very. I
2: different would make the case that a, that someone and, like Freeland yeah. would actually have more longevity success than someone like Marquez, but that's a, a discussion for another time. Uh, now, I uh, with Keikel So Keikel's worst season, really. I mean, you want to say like last year was like his worst season. That's like 2016 when he was hurt. Right. Uh, it was a 3.74 ERA. I think a lot of people or are are, are think of Keichel that don't like him, thinking that he had like a four or four plus. There's room for Keichel to improve from last year. He, he essentially lost eight points of uh, chase rate on his slider. He wasn't throwing it effectively down at the bottom of the zone. I think that is something he can get better at. Uh, I, I Essentially, I see a 20% K rate at a 3. five ERA and a 1.25 whip or so. See- now, that's very similar to me. And with, with Cole Hamels, I think you're getting a little bit worse ratios, but slightly better strikeout rates. With Lester, you just don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and Quintana should be, I think, below. He's a 4E right plus guy at this point to me. Jake Arrieta, I think, is also going in that direction. Uh, so I, I kind of group Keichel, Hamels, Lester pretty much the same. Um, it's not about necessarily if you want Hamels above Keichel, I actually agree with that. But just seeing. Twenty, I mean, 24 points, 26 points between Lester and Keuchel. And then uh, 18 for uh, for Hamels and Keuchel just doesn't seem right to me. 16 for Ke- there. I'll probably yeah. move Lester down to make that a little better.
1: But here's where I'm at with uh, Keuchel. I am concerned that he just got worse last year his swinging strike rate oh yeah he was uh, terrible down last year. overall um which his k rates w- finished at 17 and percent that's not what i want to see and the one thing that he's supposed to be super good at his ground ball rate wasn't
2: well right awesome. he, was, he was having trouble at the bottom of the zone getting guys to swing at those pitches that often would not be a strike but right underneath it he actually even at one point decided to go up in the zone you know, Sarra said a cool article about he had success for a moment, but that's not how Keiko should succeed long term. And eventually that went away and he tried to go back to his normal bread and butter. But that's I mean, I, I think he should improve and improving should be at that skill of getting guys to swing at sinkers right underneath the zone. And that slider as well. And that would mean that the ground ball rate also goes back up.
1: Well, what I'm wondering is, can a guy like Keiko survive in an offensive environment like we have right now? Because more than ever, more than ever in his career, even I know he's only been here since 2013, but more than ever in his career, guys have that kind of uppercut swing and they're swinging at the low ball because they want to get that, you know, it's all about the launch angle nowadays, things like that. And I'm just wondering if that is affecting his success. Well, because I think the, the league is different now than it was in 2014 and 15 when he had his two best seasons. I think in the last, you know, four years, Lee has kind of adapted offensively. And I'm wondering if a guy like him with his strategy can still be successful.
2: Well, two things quickly. One, uh, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way as me liking Keichel. Uh, <laughs> it's more that just the separation of those guys seemed off. I, I'll probably have, have Keiko right around 60 myself, but I'll also have Quintana around 60 a little bit later than that. I'll probably have Lester around 60 and Cole Hamill's probably like 55.
1: So it's less that I'm too high on him and more than I'm...
2: It's just about the philosophy about all of it. Yeah. But I will say to Keiko's credit about the argument about the the different hitting landscape, was it really that different in 2017? Well, that's
1: fair, yeah. And that's, he, that and he killed it
2: then. He yeah, had that 67% ground ball rate. I really do believe it's the ineffectiveness of that slider. He really just was not pitching it right. And he, he, his command was a bit off last year. Now it's interesting to even suggest that he could get it back. I think he can. Um, I mean, there's no real... There's nothing I can really point to saying, like, no, he's going to. his 256 Baba from 2017, surely isn't going to be repeated. 80% left on base rate? Probably not either. But I think he's more of a 350 ERA guy. I think he's more of a 125 whip. I think he's a 20% K-rate guy. That that seems fine to me. That's a Toby.
1: Okay. So, again, just to clarify, it is less that I'm too low on Keiko and just – more than I'm a bit too high on some of the guys that you would like to see. Around. They're
2: not. Yeah, they, I, I see a, a they're very same philosophy to me. Yeah, it's some OK,
1: that's all. OK. And I'll have to. that means I'll have to take a look. Like I said, I'm probably going to move Lester much closer to Hamels because I do think I like Hamels more. I'm going to have to definitely take a look at that more carefully as well as Arietta and Quintana. i think when i was making my rankings those were guys that i was just kind of like these guys are boring and i don't want to think about right them. Let's put
2: them there yep so that's why I, i'm gonna group them all together and be like here's your boring dudes take your favorite go ahead <laughs> they're old and they're boring and yeah, they have are. fun with it um uh someone else i think you're too low on right at 50 andrew heaney you should not be at 50 you should be higher
1: Yeah, so I've got him at 50, which is 180 overall in my rankings. If we look at the NFBC data, they've got him at 46 starting pitcher at 171. So I'm not far off from where they have him. Well, from where they have him. still too
2: low. Yes. I I love Andrew Heaney. I love the fact that he had a 12% swing and strike rate last year and a 24% K rate. And it really all comes down to that changeup. That changeup is something that I think would really take that step next year. 14% swing strike rate, 44% zone rate, 44% O-swing. You can actually even see in the bad starts, it was the times when his changeup was just off on that one game. Uh, I really think that this is a guy that is just waiting to break out. Uh, Considering that you look at the 40s and there's a lot of, humana humana, of Eduardo Rodriguez (laughs) and John Gray and uh, whatever, it's just why, why not just go for Andrew Heaney instead, where he actually has... A clear path to that success uh, And the fact that he's super consistent With that K-rate as well uh, with a, and, and has a ceiling of doubled strikeouts uh, Double-digit strikeouts He had five games with at least ten strikeouts last year uh, yeah. So I'm a fan of Heaney I think he's someone that is getting overlooked Because he just is not a big name um, But he definitely has it in him He's essentially a command guy That is starting to get swing strikes And that's a beautiful thing
1: and I actually don't really disagree at all. After I saw you had him in the notes here, I took a look at where I had him ranked with the guys around him and thought, you know what? I actually could see myself pretty easily moving him up around like Kyle Freeland, Hendricks, Soroka, yep. that kind of area. Because I think he's got a much safer path to uh, consistent innings and maybe even more consistent success than guys like Eduardo Rodriguez and John Gray, who I've got at 43 and
2: 44. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah. And um, uh, I didn't
1: realize that I actually currently have skags above him which
2: that, is I've never seen that actually. Thing. I've never seen that yet. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm probably, fine with skags being high surprisingly, but I yeah,
1: I'm like I said I'm probably going to fix that. A lot of a lot of times with these rankings, especially starting pitcher because I'll be honest, I am much more comfortable analyzing and ranking hitters than I am pitchers. Mm-hmm. It's just what I've been more used to in my um fantasy baseball career so far. So with pitchers, a lot of times I look at them, I try to do my best to think about, okay, this guy should be there than this guy. But a lot of times I will kind of gloss over some where it's like, I oh, think yeah. this
2: is right. I've definitely been guilty by making the list and just saying, okay, cool, this guy, this guy, this guy. And not doing my due diligence of going after every single person and saying, how do I feel about this? Because I definitely remember... Like, oh, yeah, right. I didn't really think about this guy because he should be about 10 spots lower.
1: Exactly. And I think that's kind of come out a lot in these rankings debates, which honestly makes my rankings better because I can I get called out on that stuff and I can go in and fix them and things like that. Oh, I'm
2: so, so proud of you. Awesome. I love it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Much appreciated, my friend. Uh, it takes a lot to say that kind of thing. Um, there are four guys. This is this is off the top of my head that I wrote down. But uh, so you went up to 84, right, I believe, or 86. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, basically, it's just where I left off in the top 300. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it was 84 with uh, Gohara being
2: the 84. So there are three guys, maybe four, that I would definitely put inside of that 84 that aren't there. Um, One is Colin McHugh, who has that job. Sure. Um, It's uh, he's going to be fourth in the rotation in Houston. Last time we started first season, it was 12 starts of 355 ERA with Brad Peacock's new slider that is super dope. Uh, it's a fantastic pitch, and he was primed to be a solid starter for 2018 until the Astros did some crazy things and he didn't start anymore. Um, obviously, a lot of people will talk about 2018 and be like, look how good he was as a reliever. And yeah, but when a guy is relieving, he either A, gets uh, amplifies his breaking ball. Right. And B gets more velocity. And it's good to see that he did get more velocity to two ticks because he's not saving anything. He's just going as far as he can for those for those pitches. But it is really nice to see that slider really take that step forward in relief. And while obviously I don't expect it to continue that level of success, uh, it's still a very effective pitch. And I think he'll have a field day with it. Uh, starting this year for the for the Astros So I, I think he's someone you want to be targeting in drafts I think it's a very safe innings eater I mean, it, honestly, I'm going to have him above uh, Keuchel. Uh, just wow. Well, why not? If we're, if we're talking about like a 3.6, 3.5 ERA Hopefully from Keiko with like a 20% K rate and 1.25 whip Why can't you do that?
1: Maybe even with more strikeouts Right then.
2: He That's has fair. a rotation okay. spot. I don't yeah, I'm I'm going after McHugh. And there's okay. and there's that floor that you're even talking about with Keiko too. So but yeah, I'd I'd rather just shoot my darts with McHugh instead of the boring Toby of Keiko because I don't draft Toby's. <laughs> I don't do See, it. See, this is another
1: area where I know you and I have a bit of a differing um kind of policy as far as that goes. Um where more often than not You start going for upside in drafts sooner than I do, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I like to to go for floor for the first maybe eight to ten rounds, eight to ten picks. You start going for upside probably, I don't know. No, no, eight to ten.
2: Eight to ten sounds right for floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, we're talking this is like 20th round.
1: Well, I know at that point, but... I also like to try and get like at least I usually aim for getting one Toby. I think having one or two Toby's can be useful, uh, especially when you're trying to take stabs uh, at other guys. Here
2: is a, uh, a secret in fantasy baseball is a secret. You can find Toby's on the waiver wire every year. There are like 10 of them. <laughs> Every That's single true. season. I did
1: get Derek Rodriguez this past
2: season Done. and guys like that. It's so That's easy true. to find Toby's. Uh, my general draft philosophy is to have about three starters that I trust. That's it. So I, I, I've i been talking about as the three in the top seven rounds. That's what my philosophy was in October. Now it's shifting towards getting two of two or one of Tyone and Clevenger. Then, uh, and then that means really like like go hitters for the first five or six rounds, don't even just pass by everyone else, uh and then turn to the twenties and thirties to fill out three to four total starters uh okay. that that's my current philosophy. um I find that you can also get someone actually, you know, what? I'll wait on Tuesday to talk more about one person. <laughs> That I think is generally I'm going to be one of the higher guys on and I'm surprised that I will be. But um, that's what's going to be. Um, okay. And uh, I mean, even like Miles Mikolas, he's the 27 starter right now for you, which is, I yeah. think, everyone's price. Uh, I would love to have him as my number two starter. That's like a very consistent. That is a step definitive step above a Toby. Sure. Right. So I get that. Cool. That's my number two starter because I will get him in the ninth round or something. And he's going in the 11th. Great. I've got him down. And then I go after one of, I don't know, uh, we can get maybe David Price, pair him up. One, two, done. Um, we can go and get, we can have fun and go after your Freeland or your Hendricks or your Pavetta as your four. J.A. Happ is what I would do also. Heaney, Skaggs. One of those is my three, or maybe even paired up as a three and a four. I feel good about those four. Then I can go and take any of my fun upside pitchers after that. Because through the season, you're really only going to have three or four that you firmly trust from the like through the year. And then it's going to be figuring out the other pieces. And by the end, you're going to have eight or so. And that's great. That's wonderful. You're going to pick up your Ross Stripling. You're going to pick up your Herman Marquez, your Zach Wheeler, your Walker Bueller, your Jack Flaherty. You're going to find them. and uh, See... Here's here's where I would differ a little bit, where I
1: push back a little bit. Uh, you are going to find them just because,
2: just but read the roundup. Like, it's easy. Read the roundup every day. Just yeah, read yeah. the <laughs> roundup. You can get Mike Miner for three months. You can get Derek Holland for three months. Both those See, guys, like I feel like, secretly won leagues because if you were aware that they were doing well from the middle of June to the rest of the year, then you you cashed in on that. Stephen Matz killed it at the end of the year. Last year, you had some great streams from Tyler uh Trevor Richards and and Sandy Alcantara and Jose Arena Even, yeah, there are so many options. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, that means that you are actually paying attention, which means you can adhere to these strategies. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: that's, that's my pitcher strategy uh for what I'm planning on doing in 2019. Um After making some crazy trades in 2018, my. Pitcherless Staff League team was just stacked with amazing starting pitching. I had like Scherzer, Kluber,
2: Oh yeah, You Paxton, traded, you traded Cole for Scherzer. <laughs> hey man,
1: he offered it to me. I, thought, um, I,
2: don't, I don't understand.
1: It was so good. And then I traded like Justin Upton for Corey Kluber or something like that. Um, but anyway, I don't expect to always be able to do that. And no one really should expect to be able to do that. But I generally want to have one of those top 10 guys um, so I can have that one big ace that will lock me down for the season and I just pray that he never gets hurt. Um, so I'd like to have a guy like Scherzer, DeGrom, Nola, um, Cole, things, someone like that. Then I'd like to get someone more in the 20 range like a, like a Jack Flaherty or a Zach Wheeler or something like that after that I, pref- I want someone maybe in the 30s maybe I might even wait to get like two guys in the 40s um, where I kind of just want to tear it downwards but I, I want I want two really good starting pitchers including one like Uber ace um, to really hold down my staff and then just kind of hope that I can pick up on someone like what a Marquez was last year
2: this is um, this is the question I'm going to ask you if you are behind on hitting at the beginning of the year or behind on pitching, right? If you're like, your starting yeah. rotation isn't that great or your hitting isn't that great. Which do you believe is easier to recoup from?
1: Dep- probably pitching. But I th- I know, like, my, like I said, myself personally, I'm much more comfortable analyzing hitters. And I think okay. that I will be able to find value in hitters. And I don't... I don't know about anybody else, but I am one of those guys who's a trade fiend. And I'm constantly... Oh, I can't wait. I cannot tra- wait to trade with you. Oh, it's it's a <laughs> lot of fun. I, I am constantly sending out trade offers. If you're in a league with me and you and I are currently um, negotiating for a player, chances are I'm, I've also got that player offered to someone else at that time. So, I am one of those guys. I am the great. Jerry Depoto I, I am of so every. So looking forward band. to
2: this. Um,
1: so I usually will try to find some kind of uh, whether whether it's I need pitching, I need uh, hitting. I usually will try to find it via the trade route more often than mm-hmm, the okay. waiver wire, um, and I think in today's landscape it's easier to find hitting um, hitting surpluses. Because I think people are really trying to hold on to their upside pitchers, their aces, things like that. I think in starting in the uh, fantasy baseball market right now, people really, really value good starting pitching, like guys that are top 40 and up. Whereas someone who hits, you know, 30 home runs with a 250 average is a dime a dozen. If you're if you're needing offense, go grab that guy
2: instead. Okay, All right. That's a that's a fair argument. Um, and that's also, you, I mean, you also bring up that, you know, what you're good at. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's
1: a, that's a key would, thing to fantasy baseball. Yeah. Know your own strengths right. and know what kind of, know what kind of things you're comfortable with. Yep.
2: Um, I mean, I would, I would definitely argue that if you, if I go hitting in the first five rounds and three or four of those hitters get injured or done, I'm like, I know my hitting's done for the year. Yeah. And the thing is though, if you're going for like two, three starters at that point and trying to put together an offense. It's uh, it's incredibly tough, but it's essentially it's, it's with pitching that it's just that uh, considering that you need fewer amount it makes it easier for one player to have a bigger impact. That's true. So that is true. so if you're able to play that right and look, my goal isn't to actually have the best pitching staff, it's to have like the best third inside the top 3 or so or top four in, in pitching But then have one or two st- top hitters Because I, I personally feel That it's harder to really leapfrog If you have like some uh, If you're going against stud lineups It's just you have no chance But at a given night You can get a nice start from somebody And it's much easier I feel to to Work that angle um, Like I beat Fast last year who had, who had Sale and he had Verlander Or he had Cole He had like all these aces yeah. and I was able to get, you know focus on having good starts at the beginning of the week and then win ratios against them, and that's and then I won with my offense. Like that, that's like th- there are things you can do going against a, a better pitching staff, but not against a better hitting club. You're just gonna just get beat. Um, so that that's my that's my two cents on it. I uh, but to each their own. That's that's why I value those upside later on because I know that I can just. I am che- going to chase after climbing that uh, that mountain then opposed to just staying in middle ground or so.
1: And that makes sense. No, I totally understand that. And it definitely is a more viable strategy, you know, in a head-to-head league oh, where
2: you can kind of just bank now. on... I love it now.
1: You can just kind of bank on the randomness that is pitching performance, Right. And... If you if it goes your way, it goes your way.
2: Right. Uh, there are three other guys that I think should at least be mentioned. I mean, oh, one, yeah. one I'll say really Back quickly is Nick Kingham. I feel that he has a rotation spot now. He's going to start most likely for the Pirates. And I, he was successful in his moments. I, I, I think his bad starts were amplified. Um, they weren't like the most horrendous things ever. And he had some really good starts in there too. Uh, don't forget what he can do. He has this great slider, great changeup, and when his command of his fastballs is on, then it's lights out. There is that upside, and it's possible he gains that confidence and gets there. Don't rule that out. Uh, Just Samarja. I'm going to throw out there that is going to have a better season than those boring guys, Quintana and Keichel specifically. Uh, I could see that he has come out and said that his shoulder was inflamed in spring training, and he never got... The chance to rest it properly through the year, this off season, is about resting completely for that, which is great. That's wonderful, and they just came out. I see here on the fourteenth of January. That's not just a couple weeks ago, but that his shoulder recovery is going well. So <laughs> good. That's good for that him. His life. Now he is loose lips, so which means he sinks ships and he's annoying as anything. <laughs> At the same time, last year was a lost season, and he's come off of back to back seasons of one twenty whip, one fourteen whip. Uh, 20% K rate, 24% K rate yes the home runs are the problem I can see a 370 array with a 23% K rate and a 1.20 whip, WHIP. sure Um, so I I would throw that out there as well and then lastly there's Kyle Gibson who surprised everyone even me who said like hey it's possible that Kyle Gibson isn't terrible and he still surprised me Uh, that was a fun one, if you're talking about articles, that was a really fun one I was like, I know it's Kyle Gibson, but let me take every route possible to suggest that he is actually good because it's Kyle Gibson. We know this is silly. And then what do you know? He was good. <laughs> I
1: just really like uh, Paul Spohr's relationship with Kyle Gibson.
2: Oh, man. I remember debating with him um, at Towers. He doesn't remember this. I understand. Whatever. But I was like, Kyle Gibson, man. He's like, dude, it's just going to kill your team. I was like, I know, but there's a chance. There's a chance that the slider is actually good. I mean, at the end of the day, and then it, was. it was fine. I mean, it was good at the beginning of the year, and then it slowed down. Twenty-two percent carry, though, is something. Uh, three point six two ERA is something. One point three WHIP is, ugh. but he's slightly <laughs> he's slightly better than a Toby, and he does deserve a little bit of recognition. I doubt I'll be drafting Kyle Gibson, um, but eleven point five percent swing strike rate is something pretty awesome. So, uh, so someone to consider at the very least. Sure.
1: So, real quick, uh, with Guys like samarja Gibson, Kingham, uh, would you have those guys over someone like Derek Holland, who I've got eighty three?
2: No, I like Derek Holland a lot. I would have him over Derek Rodriguez, Lomet, uh Toussaint, Caleb Smith's an interesting one. I mean, this is the the funny part because I can't really argue so much about these. I uh, I think Kenton maeda is going to be lower for me just because I don't know what kind of rotation spot he's in and I'm just not gonna go after it. I'd rather just lock in to Mars if I need it. Uh, but I mean I kinda like your your rankings again. Um but he they are guys that should be here for the most part. So uh, yeah, inside inside the top eighty five, yes.
1: Okay. I'll have to take a look at that and see uh if there's any guys that I think you know can be pushed off. Rick Parcello. Oh jeez. <laughs> See, I still kind of just want to make that bet with you that Rick Porcello is going to have a better season than Michael Fulmer.
2: Oh yeah, we're gonna do that right now. Okay, yeah, done. All right, cool. Um, that's a okay. minimum minimum of fifteen starts each.
1: Sure, assuming they both make fifteen starts. Yeah. Um, are we? How are we gonna say who is better? Just based off of like ESPN player rating? Uh, we will
2: have a neutral third party. Okay. Okay, right. that we Works both agree for me. on uh you can uh, yeah we'll 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 figure that out later all right sounds good i will <laughs> uh, we'll have a community vote Ooh, okay yeah
1: <laughs> just at the end of the season yeah. who was better right
2: yeah you just have to remember these bets because i've made a ton of them and i don't remember any of them so oh i'm gonna remember this one because it's fulmer and it's for okay cool that's <laughs> good perfect um so yeah but that does it with the rankings i mean you uh, i think you did a really good job
1: well, I appreciate it. Like I said, there's a, there's a couple ones there where I was just like, oh, yeah, of course, he he is too high. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I think it, it wasn't so bad in the second half here. The thing about in the, when you're talking about the second half of starting pitcher rankings is, you know, if you're going from you know seventy three to seventy to like seventy one, it's not that big of a difference, right? As compared to like twenty three to twenty one, but still it's definitely uh, you want to make sure you're having your guys rank the way you would want them to perform or the way you expect them to perform but as we round this out here the main ones we talked about here the guys nick said i had too high were hyunjin ryu Dinelson lamette and Luis gohara and the ones we talked about that uh he thought was too low on were dallas keichel and uh andrew heaney notably so there you go. Now, we're going to round out the show here, as we always do with our community questions. Like I said, we want to answer your questions on the air. Send those over to us by email at community at pitcherless.com or directly to myself on Twitter at Bristowski. So our first one here comes from one of our supporters. Uh, Blake Lawatch wants to know, how long did it take you to make your first official top 100 starting pitcher list?
2: Oh, man. Um... Uh oh, one of the I see here also what are some of the notable names on it uh, well that is uh, are we are we talking about 2015 I hey the right.
1: first official My list first official list I mean the first one you would have uh, Okay so so if, if we're talking about the
2: one every year it takes a long time uh, that process is me going to roster resource and typing out every single name um, that's on every team that I can cons- could consider inside of the rotation, long relief or bullpen, uh, disabled list, their prospects, and then um, and then also go into the free agent tracker to make sure that I haven't forgotten anyone there. That's that's the entirety of that process. Um, and then I start just writing about each one without necessarily a rank involved. I just start diving into each one and then writing out my opinion on them. And then as I fill out how I feel about them, then I might change sentences here and there for the whole dialogue of, of the, the rankings. But that takes a long time. Um, and I, that's not like a day. That's not like a week. That's that's longer than that. Um, now, if it was back in 2015 when I was the first year of Pitcher List as opposed to Pitcher gifts. Uh, that one probably took a lot shorter <laughs> amount of time, <laughs> um, just because I mean I'm a different. Uh, it's different now. Back then I didn't. I feel a lot more pressure in a good way to do it right and be as thorough and I, just because I know that I, I, I'm more confident in myself in that. Okay, cool. I I, I know certain things and I want to uh, I want to you know share my voice about those things more. And back then I had you know I was talking a lot more about. Xfip, which is wrong. So, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking at that now. I actually went into Web Wayback Machine, the, the Web Archive, to see what my initial list was in 2015 to see if there's anything notable. Oh I remember that Jacob Degrom was at 20, and I was high on him. At a boy. And then right ahead of him was Alex Cobb at 19. So whatever, it's fine. We can forget that. Um, and then having <sighs> having Stroman at 22, Carrasco 21, though. I. Uh, mm i'm seeing if there's anyone like at the back end that i included uh there's carlos martinez at, at 69 uh nice. there's oh you just had to uh <laughs> <laughs> wow wow i i, I had justin Burlander at 79 and Whoa. that was right justin Burlander was well, added in 2009 and 2015 wasn't he let me. I gotta go look now. now uh, I gotta go look now. 3.38 ERA, 109 WHIP. I was wrong. You were wrong. <laughs> oh no! You know what? No, no. He he didn't pitch the first two months. That's why he's down there. But still, I was I was still wrong. Uh,
1: <laughs> I I said before 2018 uh, that Verlander was gonna be bad because he pitched it so much in the
2: playoffs, and I was. Isn't that really uh, the, okay? So can we all collectively not make that argument anymore, right? The playoff tax yeah. is only because of the spotlight on him, not the actual taxing of his arm. I haven't yet seen a, a very convincing case that that affected someone. The only one I can consider is Jake Arrieta. I th-
1: I think it affects relievers. Oh,
2: that's that's a very good Are argument. Carlos Chapman, Brandon Morrow, Brandon Morrow after
1: um, that's uh, a great point. Even even Kenley Jansen after yes, twenty seventeen. Sure. I think it can affect like relievers that get a really heavy
2: workload. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, it's kind of a theory I'm working on. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm uh, I'm looking at this list. Of just a lot of guys that I can imagine being decent. Then, but then there's just it's just nothing. Uh, <laughs> it, oh man, this is so weird to look at. <laughs> uh, but anyone anyway, can do that. Just go to webarchive.org, web.archive.org. Type in picture list if you want to see. If you want to see the old picture gifts, go ahead. Pitchergifts.com. It's uh it's an interesting sight to see my terrible writing from back then and how turn, how oh man can you can even read them oh man I, this is back when I did two spaces after a period what was I thinking hey
1: man I didn't stop doing that until like my junior year at college
2: this was 2015 Austin uh
1: 2015 would have been my sophomore
2: year of college oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Uh man, this takes me back when you have the category images as like said rankings and the picture list logo that looked like the Steam logo. Oh yeah. Oh man. Those back in the day. Yeah, those weren't the days. These are the days, but <laughs> those were days. They, they they were days. They were days. Uh, uh they existed. Alright, let's see. Let's see. Do we have any other questions?
1: <laughs> we do. So we got a good one here from uh, my buddy Jasper Taylor. Oh
2: yeah. Uh,
1: so he says last year pitching seemed like it was extremely top heavy, you know, with the rise of guys like Tyone, Michaelis, Berrios, Wheeler and in some young arms like Flaherty and Bueller. Do you think that this year's pitching draft class has a true middle class again?
2: Oh, man. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. This is why I'm suggesting is that uh, I'm not going to I'm going to be doing some mock drafts, obviously, live streamed, starting Tuesday night and oh boy, oh boy I'm going to see if I can do the grab someone around like my top 15 starter as my first pitcher uh, I think a lot of people are scared after last year and it's that's where the value is to be had uh, so I so I wouldn't put Barrios in there um but the other arms listed Tyone Mikolas Wheeler Flaherty sure Barrios is a little bit underneath those to me um but, uh, I mean, you guys will see my rankings on uh, uh, next week starting on Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday through, I guess, Sunday. So there are going to be new rankings every day. Uh, and you'll start seeing how it all shapes up in my mind. But there is definitely a true middle class. I think one tier group is called a touch of class. So ooh, it's funny that you say that, Josh. Perfect. All right.
1: So I have a question for you that just kind of came up. Uh, today, actually, earlier today on February first, I posted my very early 2019 playoff predictions. Uh, it's really not even much of a question. Just give me your thoughts on uh, what you think of my predictions here. You can go check it out on my Twitter. Yeah, page.
2: Um, you're gonna hate this. Oh boy! You know what I'm gonna say?
1: Uh, I'm gonna you're gonna say that the Braves aren't gonna win the East.
2: I'm gonna say that they're not gonna make the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I think I think the Phillies are going to win that division and that means the Braves are going to go against either the Padres to me or the uh, or the Padres. No, (laughs) or the uh, someone from the NL Central essentially for that wild card spot. And that's not going to be fun. Um, I mean, I don't know if if you guys consider the playoffs to be that wild card game. I don't. I consider it the wild card winner is the is the winner and they have made the playoffs. If you make it to the wild card game and lose, did you make the playoffs? I don't, I, know. Mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a one game. It's the,
1: only, it's the only major league game going on that day. Though. I know. It's playoffs.
2: It's a, it's a play in game to me. It's like the, uh, yeah. it's like the first four of the N- uh, NCAA tournament. Do
1: you like the, do you like the winner takes all one game wildcard? Oh,
2: it's amazing. It's so much fun. I love it.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I specifically remember the, uh, Royals Oakland A's versus Royals. Oh, that was such uh, an incredible game. That was so fun, oh, man. Um, jared dyson and everything okay I. Uh, but i uh, so that's that's a one contention i have there it's i don't think the a's well not one contention i don't think the a's are making that wild card spot and, and beating the yankees come on
1: oh man i i was talking in the uh in the community channel today I, I said uh yeah i i've got the wild card being the yankees versus the athletics again uh rematch and i said jesus lizardo is gonna throw three innings give up two <laughs> two runs and then it's gonna be the oakland bullpen six shutout innings from there both chris davis and matt
2: olson will home run. i will say this like that runs. that that's that's awesome but not gonna happen i that is it is interesting though after the top four i mean it's be three yankees red sox astros and then Indians I are being weird. Yeah, like Indians are there. being weird about we're dealing Kluber, we're not dealing Kluber. We're doing, you know, we're breaking it down. We're not breaking it down. Like, why would you break it down? You have an incredible rotation. And you still have a great offense with Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lador there. Doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, right. It sure. is four. But that fifth spot is up for that grabs. Spot. Oh, it's it could be the Angels. It could, it could be, be the Athletics. The the Rays. It could be anyone um, but the Orioles and Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you just gave so many Rangers fans hope. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that <laughs> pitching stuff is very interesting to me. Uh, I talked about it with Fast the other day, but it's uh it's surprising. I uh, But anyway, yeah, that's uh that that's those are my thoughts there. Um, okay. The Astros winning it all sure they could. Yeah. It's I such got, a crapshoot the
1: Astros uh, beating the Cubs in the World Series. Sure. So Sure. Why or not? Yeah. I've got both of the NL wild card spots coming out of the Central as well with the uh, Brewers and Cardinals.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah. The Cubs winning the most games in the NL, though. I don't know if I buy.
1: I think we're, they're going to be good again. I think you're going to see a good year from Darvish. And uh, I think their offense is going to be back to similar 2016 levels, things like that. I think they're going to be very All good right. again. I think they're going to. I think they're going to put themselves in the conversation with the Red Sox, Astros, and Yankees as the, as one of those super teams.
2: You know, honestly, uh, it wasn't until you just started mentioning Darvish and the Cubs that I just got that feeling of, oh man, baseball is almost here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I cannot wait
1: here. Oh, it's God. February, buddy. <sighs> like. I mean, I think we get pitches and catches in well, just like
2: two. Or there's three, a reason. So. There's a reason why every single year the uh, the pitch new version. when we pull back the curtain and start doing things is two days after the Super Bowl. It that's tradition for every year, really. Yeah, uh, because after the Super Bowl, everyone forgets about football. Now it's officially baseball's time to shine. It is our time. And I can't wait. You know, except for like.
1: March when everyone cares about basketball.
2: Well, well, whatever. I mean, that's great. <laughs> uh, that's really annoying that they're doing it the week before games start. Um, we're going to have to have really quick slow drafts because we're doing yeah. – you know what we do for March Madness, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's That worked out really well for me last did year. It? I, uh, I picked uh, – uh,
2: I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know either.
1: Name. <laughs> Uh, their, their mascot was the Bulls, and they were they were like the twelfth ranked in the. Oh, and they
2: won! They got the upset, and you got the first and they pick overall. Got the
1: upset over Arizona, and I got Mike Trout.
2: <laughs> it's really funny if you guys don't know what we're talking about. Um, what we do is we make it so that the the first and second seeds they play the first one in sixteen and in and fifteen in March Madness. Uh, those get eliminated. It's a twelve team league, so you take one region of the bracket. And you say, okay, three, you essentially create a normal draft order, but instead of drafting players, you're gonna draft a team. And then the draft order goes like this. It's the the six, so it's the six teams that win and then the six teams that lose. So the six teams that win will be one through six, and then seven through 12 will be the teams that lose. The winning teams are sorted by worst seed first. So if you select the three seed here, your highest uh, uh, placement will be six. But it's the highest chance of that happening. But if you lose, you're guaranteed to be 12th because you'll be the, the highest seed that lost. It's a really fun way of trying to figure out strategy of where do I actually want to pick versus what team will actually get that for me. And then you keep selecting teams. And then, this is only for Thursday and Friday, so then you, you have a, an ultra fun time Watching these games on Thursday and Friday Even if like it's not your team You're just rooting against this Or for for whatever it, It's really fun I highly recommend it, it uh, The only condition really is that This is happening the week before opening day And after the Japan series Which is annoying But uh, I recommend doing it We did it last year It was a ton of fun uh, And uh, we'll be doing it again this year Uh Yeah
1: but it was a lot of fun. I remember um, I think it was Buffalo State was the one. I sure. Played. And they were playing like Arizona. Um, and that was the only game of the NCAA tournament that I watched because I don't <laughs> care. Um, and I just remember watching. Uh, Buffalo State keep hitting three pointers, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, how are they winning this?" Because I'll be honest, I was very confused by the whole like pick a team, and then you, if your team wins, you get good. And I was like, "I don't know."
2: Right. will take this one. Hopefully, it just made sense um, as I explained it. But uh, if you have any questions, I, just hit me up on Twitter. It's fine.
1: <laughs> it, you explained it much better than I anyone ever did to me last year, and so I was just like, eh, "I think if I, I figure." I figured out by the end, if my team wins, I get Trout. <laughs>
2: and I was like, oh,
1: my gosh.
2: Right. Actually that's because the off. 14th seed and 13th seed had lost already to the three and four. Yeah. So that means that was a five versus 12. And if the 12th seed won, that mean they'd be the lowest seed with a win. Hence, Mike Trout. Yes. Uh, wonderful. And that's
1: exactly what happened.
2: Um, and then it led me to win the Prodigy League so, last year. Yeah. So those guys hitting threes in college um, brought you into the Legacy League this year. Uh, that's all it was. Um, that's all. This was. has been a ton of fun, Austin.
1: Oh yeah, it's it always is. This is a great time. Uh, thank you so much for you know bringing me into this and allowing me to do oh, this. I enjoy me? it. You kidding me? You're killing it. <laughs> I like the appreciate you just said. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know. You're <laughs> killing one. me, small. Killing me, Smalls. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, this is always fun. It was a great time having you on. Um, usually this is the part where I ask, you know, where are you at on Twitter one more time, but again, people
2: already at pitcher list. Where are you at
1: Austin? I am at Bristowski and I've been making a concerted effort, uh, in the past couple months to be more active in baseball, uh, oriented things on Twitter. And you know what? It's working out for me. I'm getting more followers. I broke 400 a couple weeks back. So pushing towards 500 and then onwards and upwards.
2: There you go. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep it going. Let's get you a th- you to a thousand this year. Let's do it. Let's
1: freaking do it. <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, you got any any last words before we sign off here?
2: Uh, you are excellent at this. And uh, I look forward to listening to more of them. Oh, you're too kind, my friend. You're too kind. Well,
1: For Nick Pollock, my name is Austin Bristow II, and this has been On The List.